Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We're back. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the season already started and all that. But we were uh, trying to arrange some things, trying to do some different things with Ray and uh, and make it happen. And so, uh, hey, whatever. We're, we're, we're good. We're going to start now uh, a weekly podcast show with, uh, with Ray Ferraro. 18 years in the NHL. TSN lead analyst, the best analyst in the game, of course, but I'm biased. Uh, welcome back, Ray. Thanks for coming on. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're going to do this, but here's the thing. So we are late, Yeah. but if you ask any manager in hockey, mm-hmm. they'll tell you that it really matters where you are right around American Thanksgiving. Oh, we're perfect. Kind of coming into American Thanksgiving right now, 20 games in, you're starting to see a little bit of what teams are and what teams aren't, and um, hey, we're kind of busy and yeah. had to get our stuff together and... So here we are. Uh, thanks to TSN for letting this happen. Uh, those guys, uh, it's great. We've kind of working through them, jumping through some hoops with those guys. And uh, you're back. We're going to do a weekly podcast on Stitcher, on iTunes, uh, and at pulphockey.com. And uh, the number two, uh, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. A lot of NHL guys wear two under. Ray and I wear two under, people. And, uh, Not at be- the same time. No, no. And uh, great products. And uh, use the code FERRARO20 to save yourself money on that. And again, uh, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, or Podcaster if you got a droid, you can get it that way. And uh, like I said, a weekly show about the NHL, all about it. I'm going to try not to talk too much about the Toronto Maple Leafs, my beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. So, um, which? Yeah, but, but you're a little happier this year. I know. Oh, big win last night. Big win against the, the Preds. Um, all right, yeah, so thanks to TSN and Ray. Um, yeah, there's, there's nobody better in the game than you to talk hockey, I think. And uh, I think people are going to enjoy it. And you can always submit questions on our Twitter, at Pulp Hockey, or on the uh, contact us form on pulphockey.com. We've got some questions for today's show. And, uh, yeah, so this is going to be great. We're going to hope hopefully, Ray, we can get some guests along the line. Some of your buddies can come on. Uh, we will. We will. We'll get them lined up. And we're going to try and get this out every Monday, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. I'd like to get Quenville on to talk about early Whaler days. You know that uh, we can work on Joel. We um, can work on Joel, and we can talk about the mustaches that everyone on the Whalers had. But that was that was the style. <laughs> but I, you know, like Joel's was. I mean, you know, right now it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's the thing for you know for stashes on coaches. But yeah. Joel's Joel had a Joel could sport one pretty well back in the day. Mm-hmm. Babbage could grow one from uh, morning tonight. Babbage's was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that, was that, that was a good that was a good team. Lots of great players on it. Lot that are doing pretty great things in management um, and coaching and hockey right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right about that. So okay, so yeah, we're late, but like you said, big deal. Uh, it's not like we're going to overreact to Columbus beating Montreal ten nothing. Um, good thing we didn't do one right then. We'd be worried. Uh, but uh, Columbus is scoring some goals right now. But 
So American Thanksgiving is the time that you said a lot of managers look at it. And so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about like right now. Like Montreal's top team in the league. And I get it. Carey Price is awesome. Uh, Rangers to Chicago, Pittsburgh. That's all kind of Tampa Bay, Washington. They're in the mix. Who's for real here? Like I have a hard time. I know Carey Price is great. But I watch Montreal. And I don't know what, like, I guess it's just him, right? Take him off, and, and they're not that good. Good. Well, I, I, I think, I mean, you can't deny the impact that he has on the game that he plays. Like, mm-hmm. when, you know, you gotta, you got to think it's hard enough to generate offense in, in the game today. And then say you do, you generate chances. Now you got to shoot on him. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get all the way there. You get all the way to the net. you got a clean chance. And now I, I don't think there's any question. You've got the best guy on the planet standing in front of the net. And, of course, that's a, a, major, a major bonus for Montreal. But they've, they've, they've changed their team over the summer for sure. Um, of course, the, the, big, the big move was when they traded Subban to Nashville mm-hmm. um, for Shea Weber. And that, that's been a long discussed and will be oh, a long geez. discussed yeah. trade yeah. because it's, a, it's two players that play the same position that play it completely differently. And Weber is a safer, bigger, more physical player. Uh, Subban can be electrifying. He's way more creative. Um, you know, Weber is as, as good as he's going to be. Subban mm-hmm. has growth in front of him. I mean, those were all factors, <clears throat> excuse me, in the trade. Um, but Weber suits their style in Montreal very well. And he's had a fabulous start. Montreal's power play has stunk for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And Weber's got six power play goals, and so all of a sudden the power play doesn't stink anymore. <laughs> right. right? It, be- it becomes dangerous. But, but Mark Bergevin, the general manager, went out and uh, signed uh, Alexander Radulov um, to a one-year deal for just over $5 million. Mm-hmm. Now, when the deal was signed on July 1st, Almost everybody around the league, but me, you know, um, who's, you know, it's really the only opinion I can really worry about is my own. (laughs) I thought they, like, I can't, whatever everybody else says, that's fine. But mine was that that was a crazy chance to take. The last time we saw Radulov, he was uh, with Nashville. Um, Him and Sergei Kostitsin were out at a bar the night before a, Mm -hmm. a playoff game. In, in Phoenix at 2 in the morning, and they got benched, and shortly thereafter he went to the KHL. Well, he came back and he said you know, how things have changed and how he's changed and he's married and he's got a kid and mm-hmm. how being a father's really changed him. I, I don't know how you can watch Alexander Radulov and not be impressed with how he's played. He's bigger he's than I thought. I don't remember always. him being that big. I, obviously, that's a dumb thing to say because he's always been that tall, but he's a big dude. Right. He's a big guy, and and he plays. He's he plays a little edgy. He's got a little, he's got zip to his game that Montreal lacked last year. Um, now their captain uh, Pacioretty's had a he's had a really slow start. Gallagher hasn't scored in eleven games, and Radulov's helped balance that out. So now, if you know to answer your question, mm-hmm. I think they're one of the better teams in the East. I look at the East and I I see Pittsburgh, Washington. Montreal and Tampa as the very best of, of the conference. Mm-hmm. Then I see a whole bunch of teams that are kind of packed in together. And I think that's the biggest problem for people that are trying to predict 
what's going to happen five months down the road in the NHL is that never before has the top and the bottom of the league been so close together. Mm-hmm. Like, I go, I go do these games, and, man, I'm flying all over the place, and I show up for a game, and I'm like, I, I can't really tell you what team's better. Right. They're different. Yep. You know, somebody might have good goaltending, somebody might have a better power play, but they're all really close. But in the East, those are those are the teams I think are the best, and you know we'll see. Uh, you know as we're uh, as we're putting this together right now, Steven Stamkos is flying back to Tampa to get his uh, yeah. an MRI on his knee, and you know, and if he's out for a significant length of time, that's uh, you know that that would be an enormous blow to Tampa. Yeah, locked up on him, I guess. But I mean, you you've done your knees, I've done mine. I'm around these racers that do them. Locking up is not good. no cartilage is locking it up, and and that's a scope, yeah. and that's that's two weeks, three weeks, or or well, worse. If, yeah. if, if that's all it is, yeah, yeah, and and it it's crazy because if it is just the cartilage, as you know, like I I played rather stupidly eleven days after a scope. Oh, geez, when I was in L.A. Oh, wow, yeah, and so it was too quick. It it was not not what you should do. But at the time, we were in a playoff race, and it seemed like the right thing to do then. I don't know that I would do it now, <laughs> but. I would guess if it's just cartilage and it's a, a clean out and a scope, you know, he's he's in the three week range and that mm-hmm. that they can manage. You didn't mention the Rangers in your group of Eastern teams that you like. They are thirteen four and oh uh twenty six points, second in the league. I again I haven't watched a ton of Ranger games. I've watched more Montreal, more Tampa than I have, of course lots of Leafs. But uh so I haven't watched them a ton. Um what's going on there? And uh they have a great uh, goal differential. Are they gonna keep it up? Yep. Fall down to earth? Well, I don't. I don't think they're going to score like they are now. I mean, they got seven last night in Vancouver. I mm-hmm. think that's. Oh, uh, uh, I think in only five, six games this year, they haven't scored four goals, which is astounding in a league that is starved <laughs> in for 20, offense. In twenty sixteen, yes, it's just, that is. Like they're they're my team. Um, you know, I gave you the four teams. Mm-hmm. They're my next. They're at the top of that group of mm-hmm. teams. Yep. Because I just don't know what to think of them longer term. Um, now Chris Kreider's hurt. Uh, he's gone back to New York, but I look at the Rangers and how their general manager Jeff Gordon was able to transform them very quickly. Now mm-hmm. they hit they hit magic when they got Jimmy VC out from under fifteen other teams that thought they were going to get him. Yep. So they add VC. They got uh, J T Miller. They've got Kreider. They made the trade for Zabanajad. So they got they got younger and faster. Uh, Brady Shea has been a real shot in the arm on the blue line for them. Um, but there's been no bigger surprise uh, in the league than Michael Grabner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Grabner's got 10 goals. Watched him last year and on the Leafs. <laughs> Not. Yeah, he, he got the same number of chances, <laughs> but this year he's got 10 goals. Yeah. And so when you ask, can they keep it up? I mean, Michael Grabner's not going to score 50 goals. They're not going to score at this rate. And as time goes on, Will they be able to defend well enough with a defense that can be susceptible to speed? Like Dan Girardi has trouble with speed. Mark Stahl has trouble with speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ryan McDonough is their best guy by a mile. Um, but time will tell. Mm-hmm. But they've been, they've been as big a surprise. And if you can be in New York and be quietly a surprise, the Rangers have been that. The flip side, oh, actually, no, before we go to the flip side, the Oilers, lots of people talking about the Oilers. They came out of the gate well. Uh, they're on a bit of a slide right now. They're tied for first in the Pacific. Uh, Connor McDavid is must-see TV. I watch 
if I if there's like an intermission going on in the game I'm watching and the Oilers are starting, I flip there. If their game I'm watching isn't that great, I flip to the other game. It's just I love this guy. He's phenomenal. He's like the speed of like Burray with like Mario's body. I I, yeah, I just I, uh, he's great. I, I to me, you know what, Steve? He mm. looks like Mike Madonna when when he skates through the middle of the ice. Yeah. It used to be like it was breathtaking watching Madonna go. His jersey flapping behind him. <laughs> the That's mullet. What McDavid is. The mullet. Oh yeah, yeah. He had, well, McDavid doesn't have the no, mullet, but, but yeah, Madonna. Madonna had a had oh. a pretty sweet flow oh, back yeah. in Minnesota days. But I I look at I look at McDavid and I I mean he is um he can be one of those players not can be is that he gets the puck and you can feel it in the building. I've done three of the mm-hmm. Oilers games now this year and you can feel it in the building like people expect or hope for something because he can deliver. Mm-hmm. Now, it's crazy. As good as he is, as great as he is, he's got nine games without a goal. You know, so yeah. the, you know, the league's hard, and people put expectations that they think people are going to reproach these crazy numbers by the end of the year. It, it's all going to filter its way back down. It's a tough league to score in. The Oilers had an amazing start. They were they were at home most of the time. Mm-hmm. They played a lot of non-playoff teams from last year. And to their credit, they put points in the bank. They've changed their team. They want to be bigger, um, a little heavier to play against. But all of a sudden, you can see some holes springing up. They've only got 18 goals in the last nine games. Uh, Benoit Pouliot doesn't have a point in 10. Milan Lucic has got one goal in nine. And so... Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins doesn't have an even strength. Yeah, I saw that. Right. You know, so they're they're a team that is transitioning in the in the right direction for sure. They, you know, like Talbot has given them great goaltending. Um, I like some of their younger defensemen that are starting to come along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you know, I think they paid too much for Adam Larson uh, with Taylor Hall, but Larson's a very capable defenseman. Uh, Darnell Nurse has had a really good start to the year. Clefbaum's a good young player. Mm-hmm. So they're they're putting some pieces there. Yep. But you can't erase a decade of futility in three months. Do you and like them for the, there's still some work there. Do you like them for the playoffs? You think they you think they're in, I think they're in a battle for that eighth spot. They may get in, but it's gonna be a battle. Uh, I don't I don't have them in. No. Um but I uh I talk about our predictions at the beginning of the year and really <laughs> quite frankly, they're just guessing. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like yeah. You used to be able to predict a lot more accurately. Now, I think if you get everybody right, you're just guessing. Yeah, your, your guesses are solid. Yeah, McDavid goes out uh, tomorrow and it's all done, or catches fire. Oh, and, yeah, well, that, that's right. a yeah. Nobody can sustain a loss like that. And, right. But for Edmonton, I think the real the problems are going to be that they're not quite um, they're not quite the team that they envision yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got too many guys that are still finding their way or too many guys that are wildly inconsistent. Right. And, and that's, that's not a recipe to make it. Right. Uh, talking about the flip side of the standings, like you said, 15 games, 17 games in for all these teams. Uh, we'll get to Vancouver, your hometown team in a second, but Calgary has fallen back. And I think, you know, when brought again, I'm not the expert here, Ray, you are, but when Elliot was traded there, I'm like, dude, he is a hit. He's the, he's the product of Ken Hitchcock. He really is, and uh, and I think we're seeing that a little bit. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, of course, just broke his finger, and now he's going into sur- sur- surgery. That's uh, six weeks. Islanders are a bit of a mess, and Arizona, who who maybe won the offseason with free agents and trades, 
are the worst team in the league. Um, any surprises at the bottom and anybody that's going to turn it around? Well, the, the two, two of the three are surprising to me, uh, Calgary and, and the Islanders. Um, although if I look deeper at the Islanders, you know, they, they lost the Poso and they brought in Andrew Ladd. Yep. I didn't think that was going to be a, you know, I didn't think that was going to be an even switch for them. Oposo's a better offensive player than Ladd. He's younger, um, yeah, and he's been, and he's certainly uh, been productive and a known quantity alongside of John Tavares. Mm-hmm. Now, when maybe Oposo didn't want to be there anymore. Well, no right? one and even then, talked about making him an offer ever. It was like a certainty that he was leaving. I found that weird. Well, that to me would indicate that there were discussions about, look, I, let's not even get into this. <laughs> I don't I'm, even want to – I'm not even pick up the phone when you call me. <laughs> and, and one of the things that the Islanders have to get organized is they're in a building that there's all kinds of, um, all kinds of rumors about whether they're going to stay. Mm-hmm. They just built a new practice rink, but the guy's got to come into, this, into Brooklyn to play, to leave, um, you know, at post-game. They practice um, about halfway – uh, towards Long Island, where I guess it, the players live relatively close there. Yep. But it's an unstable living spot um, because of what's going to happen with the arena. Like, what if they move to a new building out by Shea Stadium, yeah. which has been ru- yeah. rumored? Well, nobody's going to sign on for seven years to go through the uncertainty that they've had. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to do it. And so they lose a Poso, they lose Matt Martin, who had. Um, who had really filled a, a almost like a cult-like role mm-hmm. with Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Sezikis on that line? That line just fit, and, and you know, and he went for more money uh, to Toronto, and he looks to me like a little bit of a misfit. Yeah, I'm not in Toronto. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I, again, you watch more of these games, Islander games, than I do. He got a four-year deal with the Leafs, and I'm like, eh, eh. You know? Well, he doesn't play with the same players. He doesn't yeah, yeah. play the same role. It's not the same. And so I think the Islanders, um, and then they've, you know, they've got crushed on injury, uh, by injury on defense. They're in a very tenuous spot here because mm-hmm. they made the playoffs. They won their first playoff round since I was playing. <laughs> you were there. Yeah, 93. They're on. Which is uh, way too long. <laughs> and now, they gotta go, now they're talking about they've got to go find another forward. Mm-hmm. Well, to do that, they're going to have to trade one of their younger prospect forwards, which they don't want to do. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, uh, Josh Hosang, or uh, Matthew Barzell. Yep. Those are the players that teams are asking about. Are people really yeah. asking about Hosang? Because he seems... Well, they should. Okay. So you're, uh, you're team Hosang? He's even a, though he he's... was a knucklehead. Oh, yes. When he was in junior, he was a knucklehead. Yep. He really was. He was young and immature. Um Showed up at Hockey Canada's uh, junior evaluation camp late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, missed his flight. Like, like just stuff that just shouldn't <laughs> right, happen. Right. And it, if it happens once, well, it happens once. But for him, it was happening time and time and time again. But apparently, he really got it together this year at okay. camp. Yep. Um, they were really impressed with him. He's a he's a tremendous talent. Now you just have to you have to try and determine. You know, is are we seeing the matured guy, or are we seeing a guy that's just putting it together for a mm-hmm. short length of time? Right. Because, but teams should ask about him because he's he's got great skill. 
But the Islanders are in a tenuous spot. Yep. Calgary, I'm I'm with you on Brian Elliott. Uh, Chad Johnson got got the shutout last night in Minnesota uh, when they won one nothing on a Goudreau goal before he got hurt. Um, their defense is a bit of a mess. They're not fast. Um, you know, uh, Weidman is, is slow. Dougie Hamilton's not fast. Um, England's not quick. You know, so they, mm-hmm. they give up a... I think when they get stuck in their end, they can't get the puck out very quickly. So they stay in their end more than they should. Um, you know, Monaghan's a really young guy. Sam Bennett's really young. Goodrow's in his third year, um, although he's a little older because of, you know, going to college. Mm-hmm. But there's holes all over that lineup. I, I thought Calgary would be in the mix to be around a playoff spot. Yeah. And maybe they will be, but losing Goudreau is just is just not they, not anything that they can patch over for six weeks. They made the playoffs two years ago. Last year was horrible, but their goaltending was horrible. It was a uh, worst save percentage in the league and everything else. And then they can Hartley. And, yeah, it, it was a bad year. But, honestly, I was like, can Hartley? Hmm, that's odd. Well, they there was a lot. I Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure going on there that okay. um, they had they had run their course with the team with him and him okay. with the team and Burke Burke and him so, were yelling at each other all the time. Well, no, it was it, it just became a yeah. with the players just oh okay yeah they're over too much too right, much right. and so they I don't you know I w- I would say there was enough internal pressure that they felt they had to make a move so they go and hire Glenn Gullitson, who mm-hmm. had been a head coach in Dallas yep. Uh, assistant in Vancouver. Now he comes to Calgary, so he's got a, a new system to implement. He doesn't have Goodrow. Monahan didn't skate before training camp um, because of a back injury. Um, they've got a couple new players. They got a new set of goaltending, and they stunk right out of the gate. They got blown out their first two games, and now they've, I mean, they've been scrambling to catch up. It's like every time they they fix a hole, they spring a leak somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, oh, sorry. And then as for Arizona, Arizona, yeah. What I mean again, do you oh, not feel man, like you got the youngest team by a mile? Yeah, this is predictable to me. Tip- uh, it doesn't mean okay. what they did was wrong. It just means they are so incredibly young that to but, expect it all to go right was probably pie in the sky. And then they lost Mike Smith, and really, Mike Smith is—he's probably as valuable to Arizona mm-hmm. as. Is almost any other goalie is to to their team. Like you could right. you could name a goalie, and I'd say yes. Smith meets uh, <laughs> Smith meets his importance to their team as that. Yeah, I always thought you know with the roster that they had, Dave Tippett could coach them to a 25th place finish. And you looked at the roster, and they're like they're not that good, but they're 25th for years. You know they're right in that in that bottom end. Of, and so when you but when you look at the roster now, and with uh, their free agent signings and uh, Chikrin coming in and you're like, on paper, they look better than they used to be, and I like their coach. But yeah, like you said. Yeah, but they're. And I former Whaler with the mustache, by the way, too. Former Whaler with a mustache, Dave Tippett. Yes, of course. Yes, right. He had a good duster. But, um, but Chickren's just a kid. Connor Murphy is just growing into being a top pair defenseman. They don't have their goalie. Their centers were 2019 and 20 when they were starting the year. Mm-hmm. And Martin Hansel. Like, it's not going to go that way, yep. or it's not going to go that well. It's just not. But they decided that they wanted to give those kids the opportunity to play, and they were going to grow them in the NHL. 
and that's a that's a tough place to grow. <laughs> Al, uh, your Whaler teams back in the day too, um, you know. Um, well, but sometimes you don't, you know. They, you don't they even... obviously feel that they're going to learn and play a lot, but you've got to be patient. The problem is in Arizona that it's been such a cluster, you know what, for a decade. Mm-hmm. That, you know, with ownership and the building, and you know, it's one thing after another as a team moving and. Yeah. They're trying to get solidified. Now they've got all these young players, and the future looks bright. And now they've announced plans to <laughs> to build this new arena. And you're like, is this really the time that you can say is really the floor for them? That they're yeah. actually springboarding forward with Duclair and Domi, and you know, the answer is it's pretty exciting. They've yeah. got as good a prospect pool as anybody. How about the Domi Kessler fight, or not fight, the punch? Yeah, that um, Ryan Kessler is not. That's a bad time for Kessler to find out that he can fight. Right? You're like, hey, guess whose kid that is? Um, and and by the way, on the arena, yeah, wake me when the shovels hit the ground. I don't even care. Like I've heard this yeah. before. Right. I mean, I I saw the artist rendering and right. it looks yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You know, and yeah. but you know, get ten guys on the shovel and then. And let's, then we know what's then Let's talk. Uh, Vancouver, your hometown team, got blown up by the Rangers last night. Uh, Willie Desjardins, this this could be uh, – might have to uh, uh, dust off his resume, huh? This is not going well. It's not going well, and it's not going to go well. <laughs> it's um, not going better. <laughs> no, mercifully, no. they sent Jake Vertanen to Utica today. Wait, he just got back, um, I thought. Yeah, but they sent him down today. I, oh, and this, I'm confused. This whole handling, Steve, this whole thing here, man, has been um, indicative of a a lack of a of a direction that they're trying to head. Three years ago, when they took over Jim Benning and Trevor Linden, um, they hired Willie Desjardins. They signed Ryan Miller. They signed Ryan Verba- or uh, Radom Verbata. But just prior to that. There was already separation from the Canucks to the California teams and Chicago mm-hmm. in the West. Like, they were already falling behind. They felt that Miller and Verbata would help keep them competitive, and I, I guess they felt they could be a contender. They had a great first year, and it probably fooled them into thinking they were better than they were. My thought three years ago was they should be, like a lot of teams, getting younger and faster then. Well, now they're trying to make the playoffs and get younger and faster at the same time, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. So they, Jake Vertanen's been sitting around. There's been conditioning issues with him. There's been a lack of consistency to his game. Um, and people forget he's 20. Yeah. Like, so what? Most of us were pretty erratic at 20. <laughs> like, I, I don't... I don't get why. You were in Binghamton probably just. That's, I was in Binghamton. Yeah. I scored 100 goals the year before in junior. <laughs> right. right. There's been three guys in major junior hockey that have scored 100 goals. Mario Lemieux, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, Guy Lafleur. I was going to say the second guy, right. Yeah. And you. And me. One of the guys doesn't belong in that group. That's me. <laughs> anyway, I scored 100 goals. The next year I was in Binghamton. It and wasn't a demotion. Yeah, it was, it was fine, right? Went, yeah, it was fine. just went to play. Yeah. And so now it's this big thing about, oh, you know, what if they lose him? Where are they going to lose him? <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the movie Snatch. Yeah, yeah I did. It's not a pack of peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> the guy weighs 210 pounds. You're not going to lose him. Right. He's not going anywhere. What's he going to do, quit? 
No, he's going to go and he's going to pick up his lip because I'm sure he's disappointed, and he's going to play hard. And then hopefully for Vancouver, he gets better and, and they bring him back. And maybe, but this is a team. It's a team that's older. Yeah, it's slow. Um, I think they're, you know, they they're, they play a very reactive style. Like I think you've got to put Bull Horvat in a role and let him just go offensively. Tell him to score. Yep. You'll you'll get to his defensive game. Sure, I know that's the case. But you've got Brandon Sutter to check. Mm-hmm. But they want to bring Horvat along slowly. Look, you've got him here. Play him. You've got Sven Berchi here. Play him. Play yeah. him on the power play. And then they went out and signed Louis Erickson for six years and $36 Holy million. smokes, yeah, holy smokes. Talk, talk about a complimentary player. Uh, good player, but needs people to get things done. And, a- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's not able to create anything on his own. Um, and so their plan was to play him with Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Well, now you've got three guys that don't go very fast. And uh, it just doesn't work. It, does, it doesn't work. It's an ill-conceived team. They're getting kicked in the teeth right now, and I don't see it getting better. Um, the good news for Vertanen is he can learn the system for the new Canucks coach, Travis Green. <laughs> That's very possible. Do you? Um, I played with Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from uh, uh, the same area that I'm from growing up. We, you know, we, I was a little older, so uh, I never played against him, but I've known Travis for a long time. And The funny part about, about Travis uh, becoming as successful a coach as he is is when he was coming out of junior, yep. and maybe this ties into Vertanen, mm-hmm. he was a big scorer in Spokane of the Western League, but he was lazy, and he didn't want to work. <laughs> and Al Arbor booted him in the rear end daily. Yeah, Quinn didn't like uh, him either in Toronto. Yeah. Till he turned for him. Yeah. Till it turned. Till it like started checking. He started checking a little bit, right? Right. Well, he yeah. learned. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Travis, Travis has now, what's really impressive about him, He's taken all that experience that he has, the stuff that he didn't do so well, the stuff that he learned later, playing for Al Arbor, playing for Pat Quinn, and he's incorporated it into his style. Mm-hmm. And Travis's style is aggressive, it is fast, it is hardworking, it's relentless, and I think he's going to be an excellent NHL coach. But I can't imagine... He's just going to go to Vancouver. If they decide to make a coaching change, mm-hmm. he's not going to Vancouver because he wants to be an NHL coach and he'll go for whatever. I would say, you know, most guys that are coming out of the American League, they're getting a contract extension. Yeah, like they're not going there to be an interim coach. Yeah, yeah. Travis is. This is his. This would be his first gig. You get one shot type deal, right? And make yeah, it good. you, you got to yeah, make yeah. sure you've got time to help turn the team around. Um. You're in T- you're, you work for TSN. You call the games uh, uh, during the week. A lot of them right now. You've been on the road for, for a month. Uh, tomorrow is yeah. Toronto, Florida. Uh, uh, but this doesn't apply to those guys. But, hey, Willie Jardin, you meet the coaches. You meet the players before the game. Um, when you know there's a guy that's dead man walking, uh, it's going to happen any day. And I, Have you run into that? And do you feel – what do you guys talk about? Does, he just, does the coach at the end of the rope just shrug and mumble? I mean, no, you know what? They, they don't. I mean, okay. it, it's happened a couple of times um, uh, recently. Um, talked to Mike Yo when Minnesota okay. was really struggling last year. We uh-huh. had a game. Uh, talked to Todd Richards early in the year in Columbus when they hadn't won a game yet. Mm-hmm. And what you find in most cases is these are really decent guys. They're mm-hmm. good guys. And you end up feeling badly for them. Right, right. 
because they're trying to be as positive as they can because they have in their head, if we can win the night and then we can win a couple of games, I can take some heat off and then the team will relax. Yeah. You know, so you almost feel badly for them. I mean, they're trying sure, yeah. their ass off. Oh, yeah. yeah. And sometimes it just it just doesn't work. And and it's um, – but it, it is – Uncomfortable. Yeah, I was going to say, sure. it's got to be a little uncomfortable for yourself and CeCe or, or, or whoever you're with, uh, Chris Cuthbert and the coach. And you're like, how's it going? And he's just like, well, how do you think it's going? And you guys try Well, to the, the one thing I've learned, you know, so I'll be with either Gord Miller or Chris Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. And if a guy's lost six in a row, you rarely start out the conversation <laughs> and how's it going. going. Right. That would be maybe a bad idea. You know, you probably would start out, so what do you got for tonight, coach? Yeah, yeah, right. And then, you know, I mean, it, if you ask him how's it going, we all know the answer. Yeah. If the coach says, hey, Ray, is there any room on the panel for me? Yeah, no, <laughs> there's been guys that have made that joke, too. Oh, has there really? Oh, man, I was oh, yeah. kidding. I was joking. I might be looking for work on the panel. <laughs> oh, could I get something? Yeah, that's a tough deal. And uh, touching on the Canucks one more time, though, um, I mean, you can't get rid of the Sedins. They, nobody could take that cap hit. They don't want to go. Fans don't want them to go. You're stuck with – you're riding those two guys out, right? I mean, you just have to. Yeah, they have this year and the end of next year. Yep. Uh, their contract is up. So if they decide to go all the way to the end with them – see, I, don't, I still don't see why that's a problem. You don't. That doesn't mean you go add more thirty-two-year-olds. <laughs> right, right. You gracefully. What it means yeah, is yeah. You're adding guys to support them that are younger and faster. These are two terrific people. I I've got to know Henrik better than Daniel. Uh, we have kids the same age, so you kind of run into them around different things. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they would. They're well aware. I would say that the team needs over the last couple of years an infusion of youth and skill and talent. Mm-hmm. And there are people that say, oh, the market will never take a rebuild. They said that in Toronto. They too. did, yeah. Look, the fans, after a while, they know. They know what they're watching. They know that the Rangers are a better team than Vancouver. So you have to rebuild it. And you can't rebuild it overnight. It takes a couple of seasons. And look what Toronto did. They hit, they scraped it right onto the bottom, yeah. and then they drafted every skill guy they could get their hands on. And they're not all going to make it. They're not all going to be Toronto Maple Leafs for the long term. But what their view is, we'll go after skill and speed first, and then we'll backfill with players more um, suited to fill a specific mm-hmm. role. And so all of a sudden, you got a whole bunch of little guys flying around in Toronto um, and with their American League team, and they're not all going to play, but they're all assets. They, you can trade some of them. Some are going to hit and be stars, and some with their skill are going to go on to other places and get a chance there. It's glorious, it, I tell it, you. To me, it's the way it's you have to do it. Yeah. Do you see a time when the Sedins say, we want out? I mean, you never know. I, I, but. Guess, I guess towards, I guess into next year, um, that's yeah. a possibility. Like, hey, we're but done again, here. Sign us both to another so, team. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's the team that's going to acquire them needs to acquire $14 million of cap hit. Yes, yes, that's, that's so tough. They're not going to agree to leave Vancouver to go to a bad team. Mm-hmm. And what good team has $14 million in cap space? Yeah, nobody. The only You're <laughs> right. going to have to take back 7 or $8 million at the very least of, uh, as 
just a number I'm kind of thinking of. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to take back seven or eight million to fit their number in to a good team that has space. But man, that's still a lot of cap room that somebody's going to have to chew up. When you look at what they're doing, that Erickson contract just sticks out as so bad, and that is going to be a that is going to be you know a Stefan Robodeau type of contract. Well, they got rid of him. They did a nice job with that. But I'm trying to think of another guy that is buried like that off the top of my head. Well, David Clarkson. Uh, uh, Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. Yeah. Um, Although, you know what? I got to say, um, I, I did a game when L.A. steamrolled Toronto at home uh, right. here in Toronto. That was election week. night. I don't want to talk about election night. And uh, was that election night? Yeah. Yeah. Was that the same night? Same night. It was just a terrible night and, for me. And, uh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know what? I know it was because um, – a game ended up seven nothing, and in my head I had five nothing, because as the numbers started to look more and more Trump, yeah, I I started to focus more on my phone than what was going on in front <laughs> yeah, of me. You're just like, yeah, yeah, it's great play by Kopitar, great play. Moving on. Um, but but yeah. uh, just about Dustin Brown, yeah. he looked he looked good, and I was happy for him because he is. Um, you know, he I think he was embarrassed this summer when they took the C from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his production has been very poor, and he's got a big ticket. And he's off to a really good start. And he's he looked happier. He looked lighter, if that's possible. Yeah. Hmm. So it's going to get worse in Vancouver before it gets better. That's that's what we think. That's what you think. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't see any other way yeah. I can. Um, next topic, moving on. we got some emails from some people. Paul Pocky Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Um, hey, I, I've talked to you enough. We did some shows uh, last year when we started this thing, and I've talked to you enough over the time, I firmly uh, support you and your quest for more offense in this NHL. The early games were great. That was fantastic. There was goals everywhere, but things have buckled back down, and we're, we're still at a low amount of goals, and we need more. And I'm even okay with making the nets bigger, but whatever. Nobody else is. Um, or very few people are. Uh, but the goaltending equipment is something that these guys just can't figure out, and I'm I'm mad about it. Like, so these goaltendings, uh, the, you've seen the photos of these dudes, and they're just ginormous guys. And they're trying to crack down on the shoulder pads and the pads and everything else. And it couldn't happen. The equipment manufacturers uh, cried foul, and the PA, I think, got involved a little bit. And now we may have some goalie pants on their way to try. But to me, the pants are the least of the problem. What is going on with this goalie equipment? Why can't we figure this out? Well, the pants are... On the way, the goalies, for the most part, I'd say almost, I'm sure by now they've all got them. Mm-hmm. Um, when L.A. was in Toronto, um, Peter Budai was getting his. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I know that because I saw him trying them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the pants are smaller, they're rounded around the legs uh, instead of you know that flat part out front. Um, they're the easiest piece of equipment to remanufacture. Okay. They're also going to be, they have to be tighter around the waist. Um, a lot of goalies barely tie up their pants, and so they sit out way wide. You'll be surprised how these pants yeah. snug in closer to the body. They look like the so, um, they look like the Denver Bronco barrel guy. Remember him? Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. What they wear, their gear's ridiculous. And the fact that there are goalies that actually say that themselves... You know, that say, yeah, we're okay with a change as long as mm-hmm. we're safe. That tells you they know it's ridiculous. Right. 
So the pads are the easiest thing. They've gotten to the pads. The pads are already smaller than they were. Have they? Okay, my, my bad, my mistake. I didn't think the pads had been touched yet. Okay. No, they're narrower. They're down to 11 inches. Okay. Um, they might, it's likely that they'll shorten the amount of distance uh, from the top of the knee to mm-hmm. the top of the pad. Because that's, that's, in yeah. a lot of cases, that's just too big. Yep. Just cover, it's just, it's protecting the pants, which the only reason they need that is when they get into the butterfly, now it covers the whole bottom of the net. The real, the real problem, though, is the chest protector, the upper protector. And they can't get a prototype built because the, the goalies and the league can't agree on what the parameters are for the prototype. So they can't give the manufacturers the right specs to build this thing. So if you're an equipment manufacturer, you're not just going to spend money and build prototypes that might not matter. You want them to be prototypes that might get used. Okay. So is that where it so went sideways? They yeah. haven't yeah, got yeah. the information to the equipment companies yet okay. to build them. Oh, okay. So the equipment companies, so, I kind of thought they were at fault here, but maybe not. No, the equipment companies are sitting there. They're, you know the old saying, you know, you know what flows downhill. Yeah, yeah. They're at the bottom right now. <laughs> they got to wait for the stuff to flow downhill to them. As soon as they get what the parameters are, they can get ahead and start building these prototypes. But the the areas that have to be changed and will be changed, but my God, I'm with you, Steve. It's way, way, way too long yeah. to happen. Is the shoulder pads need to be on the shoulder? Yes. Right now, they <laughs> they sit two and three inches above the shoulder. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The the arms themselves. They have to be able to hinge, right? Because the goalies have to be able to move, right? But they have to be tighter. Yep. And the chest protector themselves, the part that covers their torsos, that has to be closer to their, closer to their build. Okay. And and right now, there's too much leeway. I mean, Jonas Enroth, for example, is the backup with the Leafs. He wears equipment that is gigantic. <laughs> Yeah, don't and don't get yourself in, don't get yourself in trouble with Ryan Miller over in this podcast, the first episode. Oh back. no, no, yeah. we've Ryan and I have had uh, okay what what turned into a rather public battle. Yeah, uh, about this, he was and mad. we uh, <laughs> about three weeks ago we I was doing a Canucks game and we talked for half an hour and oh, I got a better understanding of what he's talking about. He got a better understanding of what I'm talking about. Um, at the end of the day, I think everybody realizes the goalie equipment is going to get shrunk. Mm-hmm. But it needs to move a little quicker, and the league and the players association need to narrow down what exactly those parameters are, so the companies can build the gear. Right. Uh, moving and, on, and oh, I was oh, told. Sorry, one yep. last thing. Sure. I was told if the league mandated all the sticks have to be changed to whatever. Yeah. And three days before the season, I didn't have them. Would I want to use them in the league? Absolutely not. No, I want to yeah. try them. Yep. So these guys need the gear to try it because then they're going to wear it and they're not going to like something, and then they can talk to the company and get it built differently, and then the league can look at it and say, yes, that fits inside the parameters or it doesn't. But it's a big problem for sure. we got to shrink it. we got to get more goals in the game. We really do. Sorry, everybody. People go yeah. to the game yes. to cheer. Yes, yes. I, all this BS about... A one nothing game can be exciting. I'm sure it can, but 
nobody's cheering. They cheer one time. Yeah. Yeah, the you, whole game is supposed to be getting out of your seat and cheering. It's got some and goals. don't compare it to soccer. That's a completely different sport, different culture, different way. Absolutely. Uh, Hall of Fame class just went in. Uh, Pat Quinn, Rogie Vachon, Eric Lindros, and Sergei Makarov. Or Makarov. Um, we talked about this last time when you came on the show last year, and I thought Makarov should have made it, and you were like, ah, I don't think so. We were both in agreement of, of Big E, and I think Rogie Vachon was a bit of a surprise. Um, but, um, yeah, both time for Eric Lindros. Absolutely. He should have been in long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when, whenever this topic comes up yearly, I mean, I, would, I was on the Lindros in bandwagon. Um, I think for a lot of years he wasn't voted in because of all the off-ice stuff. Mm-hmm. At his peak, he was as dominant a player as there was in the league. And nobody could do what Eric could because I mean, you, you had to play players that were you had to line you had up players yeah. that were as big right you had players that were as tough you had players that were as fast you had players that could shoot like him but none of them had it all mm-hmm. like that I mean had he not had the concussion issues that he had I don't I, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. what his numbers might have looked like I mean he was a he was like a garbage truck on the ice. Like, you couldn't <laughs> knock him over. No, no, he was you know, so like, scary. He was gigantic. And and so, see, my, my only, I guess my issue with the Hall of Fame is I don't think anybody should make it 31 years after they retire. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on I that. Think, yeah. I think there should be a three-year window, that, you know, a, a clearing period bef- so nobody retires and then comes back. But then from that time, you get five years. Yeah. That's it. Because you can't get better. Yeah. You can't be really good in an old-timers game. <laughs> yes. And if one year there's six guys that get in, well, there's six guys that get in. The ceremony's a little longer. Right. So uh, that's what I assume that's what they do with the NFL, because some yep. years there's a huge class and other years there's not. Were you mad that McCarroff got in, even though you told me last year that you didn't think he was a Hall of Famer? Were you mad? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm kidding. I, uh... See, here's the, here's the thing I think that I've come around on over time mm-hmm. is that it's not the NHL Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right? It's the Hockey yep. Hall of Fame. Yep. And we have to, if it's a true Hall of Fame, we have to consider players that made an impact um, in North America as well as their impact across across the pond. So the majority of Makarov's uh, success was over in Europe in Russia, in the Olympics, in the World Championships. Yet he still had an impact when he came here. Same with Igor Larionov. Those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Uh, if you just played in the Swedish Elite League, that doesn't, that's not enough for me. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 2017, coming up, Team Mussolini slam dunk, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, um, he should, his speech will be awesome, too. Yeah, it should be great. Um, yeah, he was awesome in that in that uh, Heritage game. That was just that was great. Um, Ray Whitney's up for his first year. Joe Vanoski's up for his first year. And Daniel Alfredson is up for his first year. Do you like any of those guys? Do you think – I'm not. Uh, Alfredson, Alfredson would be the closest. Yeah. For sure. But are you, would, you wouldn't stamp him as being in. Like, well, okay, who else do we have? Uh, McGillney. Andrichuk. Oh, Ray Whitney. Mark Recky, for sure. Recky, fourth year, yeah, fourth year available. Um, Recky in front of Andrzejczyk for me. Yep. And what about McGillney? No? God, he was good. You know, I don't even know what his career numbers uh, 
finished up at. Um, oh. He was a fabulous player, like dangerous, scary player. My my sense of playing against him was that there was too much downtime for him mm-hmm. that didn't balance out. I mean, I think he had 70 goals his rookie year. Uh, no, 76 goals. It wasn't his rookie year, though, but it was like three or four years in. Yeah, yeah I mean, like yeah. what an amazing season. Right. Yeah, um, but I but there's a lot of years there where the numbers don't look right, Hall of Fame worthy to me. Um, yeah, Recky's got three cups, three two, cups, two cups, two, two, yeah. three. Oh, three cups, yeah. So, and a lot of points. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, I, I he see. I have I have trouble with Andrew Chuck because the sheer volume of his numbers mm-hmm. is hard to ignore. But I just I never thought of him as yeah. a player on the other team that man we got to stop that guy he was always a secondary guy sure me. but like he he covers if if you, and I agree with you 100% as as a guy watching the game but I also felt like Clark Gillies and Bernie Federko were the same way and they're in and there's probably some other guys off the top of my head that I can't remember but uh I'm not going to disagree but I think the wrong thing to do is to elect somebody because somebody else is in okay yeah all right yeah you're probably right. Because then sure. it never stops. Right, right. Then you're like to me, there's it's a I have this because these guys now are guys that I played against for the most part, I kinda have a he should be in or he shouldn't mm-hmm. initial uh initial thought yeah. when the names are in. Like Alfredson I think is a Hall of Fame player. Because he was one of the very best players for mm-hmm. a long time. I don't have that thought about Andrichuk. And you have that your, car- your career with Andrew Chuck almost parallels each other too. You know? Well, that wouldn't help him. No, but I'm saying no, no, I mean like you played with him, not not the stats and all that. I mean like Oh, your, I was going to say if my <laughs> stats are anywhere near his, that's your, not going to help his. Your case. time uh no, no, his stats are great. He's like the He's like the 11th <laughs> highest goals, right? goal scorer. Yeah, 600 goals. and something, yeah. Um but I mean like you play rookie year to end of the career is you and Dave are like playing against each other, you know? Especially uh, uh in the Adams division. Um yeah, okay. All right. So Timu's about the only guy, and Alfredson, you'd, you'd say okay. And Recky, you'd say okay. Yes. Right. All right. Um, I think Wendell should be in, myself. I'd never hear him talked about. Oh, God. He, You're never going to let that go He was eh? phenomenal. He was so good. His wrist shot. He, almost, he got 46 one year. Almost got yeah, 50. I got 42. He, yeah, that's true. Or 41. Right. 41. Um, all right. Uh, to wrap this up, uh, we got some uh, reader emails. As always, PaulPocky.com, contact form on there, info at PaulPocky.com. You can just hit me up on Twitter as well, at PaulPocky. We if you can get it in 140 characters, we can uh, we can squeeze it in, right? But uh, here's, our, all right, here's some questions for you from, uh, from Dave. Speaking as a hockey dad, are there any decisions that you would go back and change or decisions that you are particularly proud of? To be a dad, oh, God. Yeah. Um, You've got little ones now playing, and then, of course, landing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I think I would – um, I think I would always try to remember that um, your boy or girl doesn't have to play, mm-hmm. that they play because they want to. Um, they never go to the rink and try and play poorly and try and keep it fun for them. When everybody else is losing their mind at the <laughs> rink, right? you try and be the voice of reason. You try to remember that it's fun. Um question for for from chase uh which wingers would you put with Connor mcdavid uh lucy lucic appears to lack the foot i can't say his name i never can lucic lucic easy 
a pa- I know. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's my Winnipeg roots coming through. Uh, Lucic appeared to lack the foot speed. Eberle hasn't seemed to click with, uh, with McDavid as great as he is. Who in Edmonton or the broader league would be a good fit with Connor McDavid? I mean. Well. Hmm. Yeah, Lucic is off the line, yeah. right? He's off the line now. And Eberle got moved off. Two games ago, and I don't know if he's back on or not. But yeah, I think he played last night okay. uh, with them. I mean, when you start getting around the league, I mean, like then you're building an all-star team, and it, right. it doesn't really matter. But I would say, um, you know, McDavid is probably very similar to Crosby in that he's not that easy to play with because he goes so fast that if you don't keep up, then you're, you know, you're you're going to miss where the opportunities are. You have to be able to play a given goal with the with the speed that they do it. Like Chris Kunitz was never a fast guy, but he and Crosby played so well together because Kunitz got the puck, gave it up, he got it out of the corner for mm-hmm. him, uh, helped the cycle continue, then he'd get to the front of the net and open up some space. So in Edmonton, the guy that has the most success with him is Patrick Maroon. Yeah, Maroon is almost a point-of-game player with him. Um, Again, he, he he wouldn't be my first guess if I looked at wingers around the league and said, which guy's going to play with Crosby and play well with him? Yet, he does. Um, Eberle, he's just, he's, he just hasn't been able to jive with him in, uh, this year. And there's been, there's been portions of time when he looks really good with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't – I wouldn't say there's one winger that stands out on that team that I say, oh, yeah, that's the guy they've got to give a chance to. Uh, I would think my winger would be Taylor Hall. They never clicked. Uh, he's in New Jersey, however. Right. And they never clicked, and that was one of the reasons they moved him, right? Um, well, yeah, but the, he's one fast. Of the, he's... I would say the reason that is is Hall likes to carry the puck. He's very dynamic when he's got it. Mm-hmm. But that's what McDavid does. Right. And there's only one puck on the ice. Yeah, yeah. You gotta so like, it's not enough yeah. of a balance. Is it almost like you – I know, you know, remember Rob Brown? Uh, well, Curry was great, but the, the left winger or the right winger on Gretzky's line changed a lot. Uh, Mario played with a bunch of dudes. Is it almost like you can't have two alpha males on the line, two guys who want the puck all the time? Well, it, it doesn't work. Yeah, it just it just doesn't. You know, like the the guys that have the puck a lot, what they need is they need somebody to to clear space to to get to the front of the net when the puck's in the corner. They need to help them get it back. But you don't need to have – if you have somebody else carrying the puck and Mario Lemieux skating without of it, without it, mm-hmm. or Connor McDavid skating without it, how was that a good decision? Right. Um, best winger you played with? Who'd you like? Uh, well, that's, there's a, those, are different, those are different answers. Okay. Um, <laughs> the be, because the best – I didn't like I this guy, with, but I played – No, no. Okay. The best winger I played with, most talented guy by a mile, was Alex Kovalev. Yeah. Wasn't even close. Right. Like, Al was an amazing player. He's a fantastic guy, an amazing player. He was. But yeah. uh, I played with Luke Robitaille, mm-hmm. and I, I really liked playing with Luke in New York. Um, we, had, we had a pretty nice little run there together. Um, I had my best years um, in New York with Benoit Hogue and Pat Flatley. And Hoagie was a fast, could really shoot. Uh, Flatley was as good a grinder, as good a corner man as there was. And that fit best for me. All right, last email from Greg. Uh, I enjoy watching your son Landon play for the Chicago Wolves this year. 
if published stats are correct, he's had four seasons in the AHL with a few sniffs at the NHL over the years. What is the timeline for progression from junior to the NHL in a league like the AHL? Uh, it seems to me like a long time for a talented player, and I would imagine it seems longer for someone like Landon. In your opinion as a hockey advisor, whether it's your son or not, would you recommend to a player to try something different uh, in, in KHL or uh, you know Swiss, uh, Swiss League or anything else? Uh, there is a point, uh, for sure, and... Um, or I guess you've got to make you know, some I'm, money, right? I'm obviously... Yeah. Yeah. Pardon? you got to make some money, right? Like, you have to... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased, but, uh, you know, I thought Landon had a very good year last year in Boston. I was quite surprised that he mm-hmm. wasn't brought back. And so he signed with St. Louis. Um, he was there right to the end of camp, and um, uh, they made the trade for Yakupov, and he ended up getting sent down. Um, he likes it in Chicago. He likes Craig Berube. Um, oh, I didn't know Berube looked, was the coach there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first year there. Um, to me, he looks like a guy that should play in the NHL. But you can't think like that. What you can do is just play. Just work at what you're doing, and hopefully an opportunity comes to you, whether it's in St. Louis or somewhere else, because you don't have any control over that. You just It's, it's really hard, and I'm really proud that he, he puts the effort in that he does, mm-hmm. but you just have you can't even think of it about where my next place is going to be. You got to be where you got to be where your yeah. feet are. Yeah, yeah, in the moment. You know, yeah, yeah. And you can't think of that. As far as going to Europe or Landon's 25, I would say by the time you're 27, it's probably time to to go somewhere. If you you know, if he's got a you can have you can make a, a good living um, if you're on the right type of NHL American League contract mm-hmm. two way if you're on the right kind. Right. Um, but you don't want to leave while you think there's still a chance. You didn't dream of playing in the KHL. You didn't dream of playing uh, in the Swedish Elite League mm-hmm. or in Germany. But when you feel you've exhausted your chance here, then it's time to go. When your heart tells you you're no longer in it, then you need to go. Right. Um, did I see that Yakupov was a healthy scratch recently, lately? Yeah, he's been, I think, four or six games. Uh, after, after the um, tribute video and everything. After the tribute uh, video. <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest problem Yakupov has had is he just doesn't seem to be able to, to read the play enough to make enough good plays. And the reason, reason that might sound goofy, but he's not going to ever kill penalties for you. He's not going to play on an energy line. He mm-hmm. has to be a guy that scores for you. And he's not been able to do that. It's, you know, he, he's just kind of stuck in between a little bit. This is approaching Patrick Steffen territory. It, it's close. Yeah. Hey, by the way, next Monday when we do this, mm-hmm. um, in your neck of the woods, uh, the next day they're going to announce the, uh, the team name in Vegas. Yeah, 22nd or something. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I was going to try to make it down there. Um, if only I can Vegas ask you. Jo- what? What do you vote? What do you Well, get? yeah, uh, Desert Knights. Something with Knights. Um, can't be the Lond- London Knights, I guess, blocked them or, or, or something. I don't know what happened there. I don't understand well, why. Yeah, but it can still be Knights. Yeah, but something in front of it. So Desert Knights or I don't know. I, I you don't know what would be awesome hmm. is if, they, if it is the Knights of some kind and um, when they get a penalty or when – 
somebody gets a slashing penalty, they could put on the big board there the scene from Monty <laughs> the Python. Monty Python guy. Me, me. The Knights of Me. Um, we are the Knights of Me. You know, I did a, I did one of these interviews when, after you bailed on me. I had George McPhee on, and, and I asked him about the ERAT for Forsberg trade. Um, and then it, the line went dead. He didn't really want to. No. You know what? Okay, let me, let, I'll give you a little background on that. Yep. Um, the GM gets, you know, he's at the end of the line. He's got to say yay or nay. But Washington was looking for an experienced guy. All their pro scouts thought Martin Erat could be that. And he cratered. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. You know, his years right before the Washington deal were pretty good. And he got to Washington, and it was a disaster. And yeah. the worst part is then Philip Forsberg went the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe I can go down there for the team name and then shout some questions to George again about that. I think he'd love that. Yeah, I don't think he cares about that anymore. No, nah, he, he, he answered it pretty diplomatic. He was pretty cool. But, um, he is, uh, I, think he will do, I think he'll do a good job. I really do. It's, uh, it's a pretty daunting task mm-hmm. to build the whole organization for sure, mainly because everybody else in the hockey world is staring at you. Nobody's staring at anyone else building mm-hmm. a team. Um, did you see that the, the, the list of players, no move guys have been clarified. They cannot be exposed. So that's going to change some things because they weren't quite sure on whether guys right. with no and move. So the guys with no move clauses have to be protected whether teams want right. to or not. Yeah, which should be interesting. Uh, that could leave some guys out that, that pretty good guys. You know, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I, think they'll, I think they'll put together a pretty decent team. They'll be a hell of a lot better than we were in Atlanta, <laughs> that's for sure. I know. Or even like, like, like my beloved Winnipeg Jets, when, uh, I'm from Winnipeg, of course, and you know, when they came in, all those teams, the WHA just got, you know, just no, screwed over. They had no players. <laughs> Nobody. You know, the NHL has got a real weird deal with the expansion teams where they just they don't really want to give you a lifeline at all. But this Vegas team should be good. Marc-Andre Fleury has got to be right there, probably number one guy. You know, they'll start in net with somebody great, and, and that's where it'll count. Yeah, so. Just plug away. Um, Hopefully it's exciting and people jump on board early. And um, I'm looking forward to my first road trip. Yeah, I got a, I've got half-season tickets. I can't commit any more than that. I'm busy in my real job. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it for sure. They, they told us we can go down and pick our seats. And then I went down to pick my seats with my wife and I and lower bowl area, and then they said, oh, yeah, you're only half season. You can't pick your seats. Go go, go home. And I'm like, what about this email I got? What about this email I got? They're like, yeah, sorry about that. You can't pick your seats. Uh, first year bump. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. Exactly. All right, Ray Ferraro on the Paul Pocky Podcast every Monday from now on. Thanks to TSN for letting this happen, and thanks to you, Ray, for doing it. I think people are going to love it, and uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Subscribe. Get it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher, get it on uh, any podcatcher that you have or paulpocky.com. And uh, so you're in uh, Toronto to call Panthers Leafs tomorrow on TSN. So great. Yep, you betcha. And uh, and then uh, back home for the weekend and back to Toronto again on uh, Monday night. If if TSN ever gets the regional rights to the Canucks games, you are going to be the happiest guy in the world. Oh, it would be fantastic. (laughs) It would be great. All right, Ray. Thanks, buddy. Later on. Thanks for listening, everybody.